And now, here's Matt Mosley. Oh, it is Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show. It's Thursday, and uh, thank you, Central National Bank, for what you do. Uh, what an unbelievable bank. One of the great commercial banks in our state. Brian Fonville, Joe Nesbitt, the whole Nesbitt family, great people. Now, this, this is a good person, too. Jeff Williams joining us now, and uh, this guy knows his TCU athletics. He does some uh, play-by-play baseball. He's been a big-time radio producer over the years and then was on that uh, women's program play-by-play for quite a few years. Jeff Williams joining us, likely in Weatherford, Texas, as he speaks to us right now. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the, uh, the Matt Mosley Show. I, and indeed, I am in Weatherford. Thank you very much. I was so excited when I went through Weatherford uh, and and found out in recent years. I hope it's still there that Kincaid's had opened up a restaurant right there in good old Weatherford, and I was running back from a a Y Princess campout, or used to call it Indian Princess. Now we need to call it Y guy or Y Princess type thing. And there it was, Kincaid's. In uh, in Weatherford, and I was very pleased to have that option. Well, uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Oh no! It is they. I guess they pulled out about a year ago. But oh, it is gosh. a great hamburger. There are still other Kincaid options around the, you know, Fort Worth and the Metroplex. But yeah, it was nice being about five minutes from my house. Well, it was good and bad, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you come from a very athletic family. You can't be you, – you're out and, uh, and about enough where you, you could eat some burgers and you'd be okay. Uh, so I think, uh, I think you're, you're fine. Now, Jeff, this is a, this is a fun – I mean, this regional that's happening in College Station, this is the talk of the town. I mean, think about it. We always love looking at all these sites and seeing where everybody is. But because of what's happened with, with Schlosh going over there to A&M and now TCU being sent to College Station, I guess, first of all, let me ask, how angry were the Frogs when that y'all hosted a lot of these um, regionals? Uh, it's a great hosting site. I was there to see them play DBU. Hate to bring up bad memories last year, yeah. but that was a great scene. Um, how unfair... Do you think it was, and and what sort of explanations have you heard for uh, for why the Frogs did not get to host one of these after winning the conference title? I think they were probably a game in the conference tournament away, although it is a little bit unusual that the fourth and fifth regular season finishers in the Big 12 are your host teams from the Big 12. Seems a little bit wonky from that standpoint, but when you when you get down to it, I think TCU can look at it and say, you know what, we had some midweek games that, you know, if we win a couple of those that we probably should have or absolutely should have, I think that might be where the line was drawn there and kind of getting into the analytics. Their Q1, Q2 record didn't stand up as well as some of the others, but there's no question they very much had an argument for being a host squad but, it, you know, obviously it didn't work out for them. I, I'm sure there's a little bit of upset there. But I also think that you could probably make a case that as early as this time last year or close to it, that this was going to be a regional matchup, whether it be in Fort Worth or College Station, these two teams were going to be potentially paired against each other. 
All right, oh yeah, I mean that's going to be a lot of fun, and they've all they've always had great matchups, um, and and they, there've been some over the years. One that comes to mind, and you would know what year this was, was an eleven inning game, and, and did one go all the way? I mean, one went forever. Uh, no, I, I recall that, but there've been some great matchups between these two schools. Right, and you know, and down there, it has always it seems to have worked out for the frogs in those head-to-head matchups. But it is, you know, don't get me to lying about the years, in, and I don't mean to say this in, in some kind of weird way, but you know, for a while there, they were winning every year, so they all kind of, in some ways, they start bleeding together a little bit when they had that, you know, five-year run to the College World Series, and they had the in 2010, whenever they first uh, got it, might have been 2010, but when they got it rolling, when they finally broke through to the college world series, but this is a, they've had a lot of success down there. And so, you know, they're no strangers to, to visiting college station and it's close enough to where they should be able to hopefully drag enough fans down there to have a purple presence to some degree. You don't have to rub it in. My bears have not been to the world series since 2005. Okay. So let's not, let's not (laughs) talk about this long run of college world series trips that the frogs have had. Jeff Williams joining us this broadcaster at TCU and uh, Jeff, this is um, going down there. and, And as you said, you knew something like this might be brewing. The Aggies have said, Oh, we, we, we kind of knew this was coming. Schlossnagels and and both and Sarlos have both kind of said, "Hey, we're not playing. You know, this is not about us. This is not about these coaches and everything." But it, even the players know this is kind of a a big deal. What was the uh, what? What do you when you first the word got out? What do you what do you think with the TCU reaction was? And uh, because while I don't think anybody's mad that Jim left. It's just it's just an awkward deal. The season after, usually you like to see some time go by before you have something like this happen. Well, it hasn't. Not much time has gone by. What do you what do you think the feeling is on the TCU end of things going back down there to face him? I, I, as I was saying a second, I think a lot of people because the NCA has a little bit of evil genius to it, and so it was <laughs> somewhat somewhat suspected. I think. The question was, I think it would be a lot happier if the game were, boy, you're talking about even juicier, if the game was being played in Fort Worth. Yes. But, you know, it's a it's a situation, you know, it's it was expected. I think with Jim coming, uh, going down there and then TCU paying a visit, I don't, it is awkward though because they, boy, he really knows, and to some degree he might have an advantage in that he's got, you know, much better knowledge of, what he's facing potentially let's not get ahead of ourselves they might not mm-hmm. play each other you never know but but tcu doesn't know them quite as well but i don't think there's any any animosity but you're right i think awkward is probably at least for an inning or two is probably the proper word for it it's, it's from a fan standpoint though that i'm talking about within the programs it might be a little bit awkward but from a fan standpoint oh my god you couldn't ask for a lot more yeah, if they if they do end up playing, you're right. We got to see, but Bluebell, that place is going to be rocking. Now, of all the places you've been, you've seen college football, you've called games at a lot of these places. Where would where would the Aggies rank? I mean, I, I would say Arkansas has a good thing going. Tennessee, pretty amazing when they get that place rocking. So A and M probably is not in the top 
three or four yet uh, in the SEC. But but of all these places you've been, where does uh where does Bluebell rank in terms of tough places to play? Obviously, the the Frogs have had some success there. Well, from a fan standpoint, it's it's definitely very high on the list. Although I tell you, I spent a little time back in the '80s in College Station. I would just go catch a random game on occasion. It'd be an afternoon ball game on a Tuesday, and it was just me and some old dude from Bryan who was about 80 years old killing some time in the stands. The fan experience in the ensuing 30 years has ramped up unbelievably. The facility itself is better. I think Schlossig is about to get tens of millions of dollars. To, they're going to start their project of, of including some of the outfield area and really improve upon the situation and add even more people to it. But they really – it's just the A&M way, and I'm married to a family of them. I'm not an Aggie, but I'm married to an entire family of, of Aggies. Uh, and it's – they when it's this time of the year, certainly they know how to ramp it up, and it is, it is not an easy place to play. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – it'll be interesting. I was reading up today on some of the pitchers for A&M and, and, and kind of what they – you've seen – I think they were announced here in the past 24 hours some of the pitching matchups. How will – how will uh, Kirk – how you know, how will Sarlos uh, set his rotation up going into this thing? And, you know, what what is – what do you kind of see as – from a pitching standpoint, TCU's biggest strength, and, and if there is a weakness, what do you think could hurt them? Uh, unfortunately, in Waco, we've watched some really huge bullpen issues this year. Um, where, where, are the, where are the Frogs, where does their, uh, their pitching stand right now? Well, I, from, a, from a bullpen standpoint, they can come at you with, a, with strong righties, strong lefties, high arm angles, sidearm arm angles. The bullpen has not been the issue. It's been injuries to their start, injuries and illness to their starting pitching that has been their probably their biggest hurdle team wide this year. I believe they're from what I understand they're probably going to go with Riley Cornelio in Game One, and he's a guy that's had an unusual year in that he is I think he's in eight of his last nine games he's gone at least five or six as many as eight innings. Uh, in a row where he had those kinds of outings, then all of a sudden, in fact, he shut Texas Tech down for nearly seven innings. He gave up uh, just one earned run against Texas Tech in, I think it was six or six and plus innings or whatever. But then in his next outing was the Friday night game against Oklahoma State up in Stillwater and really got touched up pretty hard. His follow-up start was at Florida State. He didn't get an out. But then he bounces right back, and he shuts down Santa Clara uh, and shut down Kansas. Now, those aren't the most potent offensive teams, but he kind of regained his form, regained his confidence. But then against Oklahoma State, he had his struggles in the conference tournament uh, last week. So that's what I understand. They'll go with him. Then you'll have Marcelo Perez in the middle game. This is a guy that was an elite reliever as a freshman. He'd had some injuries. Uh, the following year, they decided to go with him as a starter, almost out of necessity because of the injury to Austin Krobe, who was expected to be their Friday night guy this year. Um, certainly a guy, I don't know if elite is the proper word, but he's, he could see elite. He was at least close enough to see that. That was the expectation, but he is still kind of working his way back. But Marcelo Perez has filled that role, and he has done it about as admirably as you could possibly 
uh, fill a role. He has been nothing but solid so far in that role over the last about two and a half months or so. Uh, he was the starter against Texas in the tournament, and he went – they lost that game, but he went seven innings, gave up just three runs, and he had him in it uh, once he came out that it kind of fell apart a little bit. But I suspect he'll go – in, the, in their second outing, whenever that might be. Uh, and then you'll also uh, see probably a combination, Brett Walker, guys like that. But they have a lot of depth in their bullpen. As long as it doesn't go, you know, 180 degrees sideways for the starter where they just get, you know, hammered to the tune of seven or eight runs over the first inning or two, they've got a lot of arms in that bullpen that can really do a nice job and pick up the slack. They just have to avoid the disaster inning. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And by the way, that can happen. You were talking about going to Texas. The man they call, what, what's his nickname? Titanico. Oh, my gosh, that guy. They call him the Hispanic Titanic is what they call him. <laughs> Ivan Melendez, just named player of the year, uh, national player of the year today. Yeah, I saw that. that. The pace he was on, there was like some Baylor players, and I thought to myself at the time, um, I said, well, that's some power. And, and it was nice. They had like seven home runs or something. And I just happened to look at what Melendez had. He already had like 22. And we weren't, yeah, he, like we weren't even that far into conference. It was crazy the pace he was on. Yeah, I think he ends up with 28, something like that. Everybody was talking about Tommy Batts, the kid, the freshman at North Carolina State. He ended up with 27, just one short. But Melendez has had an unbelievable year. He's not just a, you know, just a donkey out there just blasting home runs. He batted about 380. So I mean, he's he's the real deal, no doubt. All right, and and let me ask you this: If you were hiring, uh, give give me a couple of names. Uh, you know, college baseball. Is there anybody? Is Dan Heefner? Uh, you know, Baylor has a coaching opening now. I'm sure you heard. Um, is that is that like no brainer? You got to go check in with Dan Heefner. I mean, I kind of think that. And is there anybody we may not be thinking about? I mean, this this team, the Frogs, are are going to see uh, in that in that regional uh, or one of the teams in that regional is uh, Oral Roberts. I mean, they have a good coach. Uh, uh, Texas State has a good coach. Any of these uh, up and coming. Uh, coaches, and, and of course, Heefner's not up and coming. He's been doing it forever now. Anybody jump off the, the page uh, at you as a potential hire or, or good fit for the Bears? That is the first place I would go, no doubt about it. You, you're talking about you know, he's Dallas Baptist to Baylor, which is also a, a Baptist school, and, and he is the guy. He loves that environment. He's a, 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 just a tremendous guy a very Christian man, and that is part of, you know, the way he goes about his business, I would think, for him. And he would know more about it, you know, digging into it. But that's if I'm Baylor, I've already been up there and back two or three times trying to convince him uh, to come down there. The other cryptic message I've seen out there uh, from some people that are in the know in terms of other potential folks is that, Look for the next Baylor to coach to come within driving distance. That would include Heathner. It might also include a team that's just a little further south, uh, that south of Austin, has had a pretty nice year uh, in a mid-major conference, and maybe that's the Texas State, the guy at Texas State, uh, who have been unbelievable this season. Or it, who knows? Maybe they're trying to you know raid some assistance from some other schools. Uh, maybe someone at Texas. 
you know, Tula Whiskey's a guy that, you know, he's a guy that has come on and had a huge impact down in, in Austin. And I forgot the name of the guy in, uh, on that staff also. He came from Tulane. His name escapes me off Sean, the top of my head. Sean Allen. Yeah. Yes. He, he would be another guy that might be worth looking into. Uh, so, I mean, they got, you know, it's a big 12 school. It's a school and a team that has had really nice success. You know, you have to go back a few years, but it's been proven you can win baseball games. In, well, you win football games, you win, certainly win basketball games. We know that. But athletically, smaller school, kind of like TCU. But it's been proven you can win even in a kind of a big school conference, a big boy conference like the Big 12, you know, with the big, big schools. They've proven they can win, so I would think it's it's a job that's going to be fairly easy for them to fill. They aren't going to have to they're going to have to run through a bunch of names and get turned down. They're going to they're going to find their guy, and he's going to say yes more than likely. Well, I sure hope so, um, Jeff. I'm glad you said yes today. It was fun getting to uh, visit with you. And if you haven't heard it yet, listen to Pat, uh, Gary Patterson released his new song on my show. He gave us the first kind of extended interview. I believe that was Friday we did that. Gary, uh, against all odds, has become a friend of mine, even though during the H- the, the Bryles-Patterson thing, it was not quite as friendly, but we are very friendly now. But uh, give that song a listen. The Day I Walk Away, I believe is the name of it, and uh, – uh, kind of an emotional song. Gary kind of talked, I think, sat down, and it was maybe therapeutic for him about, uh, uh, and I think part of it, of course, was about walking away from TCU. I don't know if we can say he walked away, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, sure. So anyway, give it a, give it a listen, and uh, and we uh, we really appreciate you, uh, you coming on with us. No, I appreciate you asking. I'll certainly, and that's, I was around for a long, long time, so I'll certainly I assume I can find it on iTunes or somewhere. I'll go look where I can find it, or I assume you probably got it posted, so I'll probably uh, dig that up. I'll send it to you. Uh, I just don't you just don't be in front of a bunch of people because you may get emotional and just have some <laughs> tissue with you, and uh, and you'll be fine. Jeff, uh, I appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. No, thank you. Appreciate you. Okay, there he goes, Jeff Williams, TCU baseball. And uh, doesn't.